You're listening to Blick's Dicks Podcast, where Dr. Blick helps men understand their common health issues and shares ways to take charge of their sexual health. Dr. Blick is a world-class urologist specializing in men's sexual health with over 20 years of professional experience. He is an internationally recognized penile implant expert, and his mission is to raise awareness about implants for ED. Dr. Blick is dedicated to helping men optimize their health and achieve a happier, healthier, and a more satisfied sexual life. And now, it's time to welcome your host, Dr. Sean Blick. I am Dr. Sean Blick, and you are listening to Blick's Dicks, the number one podcast for men's sexual health. Blick's Dicks is a bit racy, but Blick's Dicks is the new metaphor for men's health across the USA, or who knows, maybe even worldwide. Although I will discuss all men's health issues, I want to raise awareness about penile implants for men who have ED. Simply put, the penile implant is the most effective long-term treatment for ED, and it's often misunderstood, and it's often underutilized. So as an expert on penile implants and over 20 years of experience, I have finally earned the right to say that Dr. Blick can fix your dick. That's right, Dr. Blick can fix your dick. So today's podcast will be on the topic, my penis is suddenly crooked, what the heck do I do now? Can you imagine what it might be like to wake up one day with a hard on after a wonderful night of sex only to find out that your penis is curved 90 degrees upwards and it hurts? What I'm actually talking about is something called Peyronie's disease. And with that, let's get started. So what is Peyronie's disease? Well, Peyronie's disease is nothing short of a fibrotic or scarring disorder of the shaft of the penis that is typically defined by a palpable plaque within the shaft of your penis. The shaft that I'm talking about is called the corpora cavernosa, and that contains the spongy tissue that fills with blood that creates an erection. It's lined by a very fibrotic lining called the tunic albuginea, and a scar forms within that tunic. And when a scar forms, one side of the penis doesn't expand as well as the other. So therefore, the penis curves in the direction of the plaque. When this happens, people acutely get pain. It can be associated with severe penile deformity. It can really look wicked and very dis... It can look very wicked and can be very uh, unnerving. And it can cause erectile dysfunction. It can progress over time and eventually cause uh, leakage of blood uh, in the penis as it gets erect and makes it impossible to maintain an erection over time. So inevitably, people get pain, they get deformity, and they can ultimately progress to erectile dysfunction. Now, historically, this has been around for years and years. It was originally described by the personal physician to King Louis XV. His name was Francois Guijot de la Peronie. So it was French. And de la Peronie wrote the authoritative description in 1743, so he's been tagged with it. So he gets the credit after all these years. How prevalent is it? Well, there's been a discrepancy in reported studies due to a large variety or heterogeneity in how Peyronie's disease is actually diagnosed and defined. But early studies suggested that maybe less than 1% of the population has Peyronie's, but I can tell you that it's way higher than that. 
It's extremely prevalent, and one of my favorite urologists in sexual medicine, his name is Dr. Mulhall. He did a study in 2004 where he described about 8.9% of men actually had uh, a palpable plaque and were defined as having Peyronie's disease. So it's probably even higher than that. Some people estimate that it can be as high as 10 or 11% for that matter. Now you're starting to see ads on TV or you'll see a commercial on CNN, for example, or somewhere, and you'll see it and it'll, it'll talk about Peyronie's disease just raising awareness. It's extremely prevalent and the most important point is that we can help you. There is, without any question, um, awesome therapy, both medical and surgical, for this problem. What are the risk factors? Like what predisposes you uh, to getting Peyronie's disease? Well, as we age, certainly this is a disease of aging, it typically occurs in, in older patients, usually 50 and greater, but it can occur at any age. Um, we just see it more a more higher prevalence in the 50 plus uh, age group. There is a disorder called Dupuytren's contractures or Dupuytren's disease, which is a uh, fibrotic contracture of the palmar aponeurosis of your of your hand. And when it happens, when, when it happens and occurs, it causes like trigger finger, like almost like your hand contraction. You, you, it can be a very discomforting, disfiguring disorder. Um, but what's interesting is that eight to 22% of patients with Peyronie's disease has Dupuytren's disease or Dupuytren's contractures. Um, so just to be, oftentimes I'll speak with my patients and ask them if they've had Dupuytren's and see if I can raise awareness about whether they might have Peyronie's disease. Interestingly, this is probably at least partly a genetic disorder. Uh, there are certain types of genetic, uh, um, how should I describe it to the general population? Uh, genetic haplotypes or genetic patterns that are predisposing towards Peyronie's disease. So for example, HLA B27 is very commonly associated with Peyronie's disease. Anyway, genetics, predis genetics definitely has a role in this. Radical prostatectomy. If you've had your prostate removed, 16% of people who've had their prostate removed develop Peyronie's disease in three years after a prostatectomy. If you're low in testosterone, it's interesting that men with Peyronie's disease had lower mean serum testosterone levels. And certainly, uh, if you have a penile fracture um, or some kind of local trauma, this may be associated with Peyronie's disease. So it gives you an idea of some of the factors that may be um, part of it. So what causes it? How does it actually occur? Well, in actuality, what's involved here is that there's some kind of microvascular trauma that occurs within the layers of that tunic I mentioned to you. The tunic happens to be bilaminar, has two layers to it. And so when we're having sex or doing something, having some kind of a trauma, some kind of bleeding occurs within those two layers and it predisposes you to having a scar. I just think that men who have rough sex generally are, are at risk. And that's a shame because most of us have rough sex. That's just the way sex gets performed. I'm not sure how you have it any other way. But the reality is those who are predisposed genetically or have other risk factors when they're having rough sex may be at, uh, uh, at increased risk. So how does it present? Like what kind of symptoms do you see? Well, you can see Penile curvature is the most common. All of a sudden, one day you wake up and suddenly your penis is curved or possibly indented like an hourglass. Certainly, there can be penile shortening as there's a scar in the tunic, penis is shortened. Uh, there can be lumps or plaques as described. You'll feel something hard or a knot within your penis. 
As I mentioned, you can get narrowing with the erection or some kind of an indentation or an hourglass deformity. Other patients sometimes talk about that they have a subtle decrease in the blood flow to the tip of their penis, so it gets softer at the tip when they get their erections. Sometimes you just get soft erections. Sometimes, as time will go on, people have the inability to achieve or maintain an erection. They lose, they develop erectile dysfunction. Uh, they may have difficulty penetrating due to the curvature. I think that's the most common thing. You get a curve and it's just more difficult to have sex. And when you have the uh, erection, uh, it can be uncomfortable and you get pain upon erection and upon intercourse. So it gives you a little bit of an idea how this sort of presents. Interestingly, there are two phases uh, that people like to describe in Peyronie's disease. There's the acute phase or the early active phase and that happens right away when, this, when, this, when the scar is fresh and inflamed. And it can last up to 18 months. And generally it's usually penile pain mainly when there's an erection, but it can also be tender upon palpation or when you're touching it. But then there's the chronic phase where after a year or 18 months, the plaque sort of stabilizes, the deformity stabilizes, it's not changing anymore, and it just becomes uh, stable. And so uh, it's important to distinguish between the two because it has implications for treatment. So what's the natural history of the disease? Let's say this happens to you and you're finding yourself with a penile curvature and it's unnerving. Well, in another study by Mulhall, one of, again, he's my fan, I'm a fan of his, he's my hero. If you follow patients out for at least 12 months, you're gonna find out that about 12 to 15% of patients are going to improve about 40% are gonna remain the same. And another 48% are gonna worsen. So what you're seeing here is a very small percentage of improvement and the rest of them are remaining the same or getting worse. So resolution of the deformity is sort of rare. It's usually staying the same or getting worse. So it gives you some sense of the natural history and we're always looking for a treatment that might delay that progression so you have more patients that could try to go towards resolution rather than worsening. And we do have some things that try to do that, but there are really no great oral treatments for delaying the progression. And I'll get to that in a second. How do we evaluate this in the office? Like what's the way to check on this? Well, certainly we gotta examine you. We gotta take a good history, find out when it occurred, you know, how long you've had it. Are you the acute phase, chronic phase? You know, what, was the, what are your risk factors? Uh, we need to get a good history and we need to examine you. Uh, we need to see if we can find a plaque and see if we can find out if there's a, a, a hard knot in your penis. And ultimately, we really need to try to get a, a, an accurate description of the curvature. And you may say, how do we do that? Certainly, we could take pictures, but they're not that accurate. Pictures actually uh, poorly characterize it. And we, we sometimes make mistakes when we just look at pictures. So the single best test that I can do in my office, and I do it quite commonly, is something called a duplex Doppler ultrasonography. Duplex Doppler ultrasonography, what's that? Well, it's just simply a test where we inject the penis, facilitate an erection, and then we take measurements on the blood flow because the blood flow in the penis is important to evaluate and know if it's good or bad, has implications for uh, surgical intervention. 
And we also want to find the plaque and see if we can see it and identify if it's highly calcified or not. If it's a very highly calcified plaque, oftentimes they're not amenable to uh, conservative treatment, for example, with injections with something like Zyaflex or Verapamil. So bottom line, history and physical, do a duplex Doppler ultrasonography in the office, get a great characterization of the curvature, describe if there's any plaques, assess the plaque, check for calcifications, look for deformities like uh, uh, hourglass deformity, check for the stability of the penis. Does it want to break on itself or is it really solid and stable? And that gives you some sense about what you're dealing with. And then you're going to move into therapy and trying to figure out where you're at. Now, if you're in the acute phase, most of us are going to try to give some form of oral therapy that is going to try to delay the progression. And unfortunately, we do not have any perfect therapies like that. Um, there is a, uh, uh, there are two medicines that are commonly used in the community um, called colchicine as one of them, and the other one's called patoxyphylline. Patoxyphylline is also called trental, and it's commonly used for peripheral vascular disease. And I tend to use that as my mitigating medicine to try to help. But there really are no reliable, randomized, double-blind, placebo trials demonstrating improvement in penile deformity. But I use it. I try to see if I can delay the progression, and we see if we can help in that area. Some people use verapamil cream. There are some preparations that have been shown to be partially helpful in that setting. But again, all not 100% reliable, not well-studied, and you have to interpret that data carefully. There's a whole bunch of stuff that the American Urologic Association just straight out does not recommend. And we see it all the time being used but because it was used historically, but it's, there's just not a drop of data to support it. Vitamin E, for example, pataba, tamoxifen, procarbazine, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin E with L-carnitine, all not recommended by the AUA. So you may ask your urologist in the acute phase to try trental or patoxyphylline or coltracine, and they may help slightly delay the progression and or resolve it. But in most cases, sincerely, it just doesn't work. Now, moving forwards, once we get into the chronic phase and we feel like the disease is somewhat stabilized and we're beyond the pain, that's how you usually know that it's stable. It's less painful and the curvature is not moving. It looks like it's been about the same for months. It's usually about a year to 18 months out. The single best treatment I can offer at this time is something called Zyaflex. Zyaflex is the first and only treatment that has been approved by the FDA for the treatment of Peyronie's disease. Now, interestingly, Zyaflex is nothing short of a collagenase. It's an enzyme that is isolated from a bacteria called Clostridium histiolyticum. So that means not a lot to anybody, but basically it's, a it's nothing short of an enzyme. It's isolated from a bacteria, and when injected into a plaque, it can dissolve the plaque. And that dissolution of the plaque can turn into less deformity, less angulation, and sometimes it can improve erectile function. It's indicated in the chronic phase, as I mentioned, stable disease, usually for patients that have at least 30 degrees, but usually less than 90 degrees curvature. The plaque should be on the top of the penis, not on the bottom. So we call that dorsal plaque. If it's a ventral plaque more on the bottom, they're really close to the urethra, and most people don't recommend it because if we dissolve the urethra, that would be a bad thing. And certainly if the plaque is highly calcified, remember I mentioned that, if the plaque is extremely highly calcified, it generally doesn't dissolve well because it's like bone, it just won't dissolve. 
And it is important that you have normal erectile function. Why do we want to straighten a penis that doesn't work? And we'll get to that too. That's where my famous penile implant that I love doing so much comes in. If someone has poor erectile function and they have penile curvature, the treatment of choice actually is a penile implant. And we do that all the time. So back to Zyaflex, how does this work? Well, basically there's a process. So what happens is this, we give an injection of Zyaflex into the plaque and then we wait about a week and we do it again. And then we go through a period of modeling or stretching of the penis for a total of six weeks. Now, based on the protocol, I used to just do manual stretching of the penis. That's how they taught us uh, by protocol. But I found out that over time that if I use penile traction, like a penile traction device, um, I use something called the Pennymaster Pro, um, just a device that I found out along the way that works pretty well for, for stretching the penis for long periods of time. It's called the Pennymaster Pro. And this device stretches the penis for several hours at a time, and I recommend doing that with my Zyaflex therapy, and I have found that my, my success has been much, much higher when I have implemented that. So now, the thing is this, one cycle is, con is consisting of two, these two injections followed by six weeks of modeling, and that's called a cycle. And you're allowed to do up to four cycles uh, for the treatment. Certainly, if it, if it improves and you wanna try to go for another set of four cycles, I have actually approved that um, on occasion, and sometimes insurance will go for it. But one of the unique things about Zyaflex is it's extremely expensive. Each injection costs about 3,500 bucks. Imagine that. So two injections is like $7,000. And then four cycles is like $28,000. Plus, you know, my fees and stuff, it's almost a $30,000 treatment, okay? So it's not to be kind of kidding around. It's sort of a real deal and you gotta have the proper indications and insurance uh, needs to cover it. Otherwise, the average person is not paying $30,000. Now, what are the realistic expectations of Zyaflex? Well, the studies indicate that if we go through the four cycles, on average, we're going to have about a 35 to 40% improvement in the penile curvature. Now, to give you an example, let's say you had 60 degrees of curvature, and we got a magical 40% improvement. Well, that's 24 degrees off of your 60 degrees, leaving you with 36 degrees left behind, right? So you still have 36 degrees of curvature. So you have to understand you're going from 60 to 36 degrees, leaving, uh, leaving still some degree of curvature. But most patients interpret this as being awesome. They say, that's a major improvement. I went from really having a lot of difficulty with sex, hurting myself and my partner, to now a position where I can actually have sex and my penis looks a lot less deformed. That's what happens. And so Cyaflex is very successful. It'll work in about 80, 90% of the patients. So it works. Um, But it does require, you know, about six months of therapy, a lot of penile stretching, a lot of hours with the Pennymaster Pro, sitting watching TV with your penis on stretch. But it is a highly successful treatment. It is minimally invasive. It can be repeated. So giving all that to you, that gives you some sense about how we treat medically. It's probably enough right now. I would probably save the surgical therapy for a whole separate talk, because it's another whole topic on how we deal with curvature that's more complex and how we manage surgical correction of Peyronie's disease. So I think I'm gonna save that for another, 
for another session at a later time. Well, maybe we'll talk about the surgical correction of Peyronie disease and how the penile implant plays in that, um, as I mentioned earlier. I think that'll be a good time to, to end. I think we've covered a lot. So that would conclude today's podcast on Peyronie's disease by Le Peyronie. Eh? And I thank you so much for tuning in. To learn more about Dr. Blick and penile implants and all that I'm talking about, go to drblick.com. Spell out the word doctor. That's drblick.com to learn more. Importantly, a new Blick's Dicks podcast will be recorded every Thursday. So tune in next Thursday to get your weekly dose of men's health. And with that, I'm going to sign off for now. Ciao. That's this week's episode of Blix Dicks Podcast, the number one podcast for men's sexual health. For additional resources, connect with Dr. Blick by heading to drblick.com. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.